Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Hello and welcome for today's Go for Leadership podcast. My guest today is Thomas Julie. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Well, hello. Go for Leadership interviews. Like always, I ask uh, my guests to introduce themselves. So, Thomas, you have 30 seconds to let my seconds. listeners know who you are. Okay, uh, my name is Thomas Juli. I'm a human business architect. Uh, that is, I'm driven by helping businesses to become human, unfold our human potential, and thus being successful in the digital age. I think that's a, a very, um, uh, of course, profound topic, and it has a lot to do about uh, having the right leader to, let's say, um, en enrich and also, let's say, Uh, help the people to perform. So what is your definition of leadership or how would you define leadership? Well, okay, there, who, there is not just one definition. I'd say one very important element, especially in a VUCA world, is a true leader knows how to unfold the potential of his or her team and uh, thus thrive as a team. How would you define the full potential of a, of a team? Well, I, I'd say, first of all, let's go to the individual. Uh, what's the full potential of an individual? Uh, I think this is something we have to explore. There is not, it's not a given set. It's not a discrete. It's actually infinite. Uh, the issue or the challenge we have is that uh, we have been trained as um, functioning, functioning human resources uh, instead of human beings. And uh, that is an issue. So therefore, I think that when you find out who you really are, uh, where your creativity is, for example, um, and your potential, that could be an adventure. And people, we think that it's all just only about skills and what have you. Um, no, there's so much more about us. Um, and we just have to explore it. We have to identify it. It's, it's basically really about how can we rediscover our human being and this way shape our future and it's not like you come up with a big plan this is how we have to do it especially in a business setting and let's plan it and then let's execute it um, mm -hmm. in the past this worked quite well and the present the future i think it will be more complicated my experience is that uh, in particular in larger corporations, there's uh, a huge thrive for following processes, following structures, following guidance. Do you think that this is kind of hindering such, let's say, um, such movements to, to have, let's say, the liberty of, of uh, or individualism, let's say it this way? Um, it's, not, it's not really like, uh, it doesn't really block it or impede it. And I think you have to balance the two. And you need to have something what I call strategic alignment and on the one hand it's not, it's not necessarily top down but you need to have a strategy and then you have the autonomy of a team and you have to balance the two and there can be some tension which is normal and uh, if it's if there's a balance it's a stable balance ideally but when you know it's like i'm an economist and a training stability does not mean it's fixed it's mm -hmm. constantly moving so you always have to align it it's a it's a continuous process What's the alignment of strategy and autonomy? Do you think that there are certain, let's say, um, um, settings that would uh, enable teams to 
let's say, to behave like that? Do you think there are certain, let's say, environments that that mm. teams can, let's say, use this flexibility? And there are maybe uh, settings where we have and, and or teams cannot, let's say, play in this in this field. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I, I've been working uh, a lot as an agile coach, um, so I'm a true believer in this agility or agile. Uh, so, and when you're in an agile environment where you're really focusing on generating value for the customer, delighting the customer, we have uh, self-organizing teams, ideally autonomous teams, and uh, this is you know you can see the ideal setting. It's necessary. Can you say it's necessary? It's sufficient? Um, no, because even in an agile setting, uh, businesses still see people way too often as resources. So mm -hmm. whenever you see, when you treat people as resources, it's kind of like a dead end. The moment you realize we're not talking about resource, we're talking about people mm -hmm. and we're not perfect. And actually this imperfection makes us perfect. And you see what's possible with it. And use technology as, as a tool. Uh, I think you can, um, can be surprised by what is possible. So an agile setting is, um, is uh, very helpful. And any setting where you realize, okay, actually we're focusing on the uh, on, on people. Let's say, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I gave a keynote um, for, uh, in Munich um, in front of an audience, of course, virtual audience. Uh, they were all pedagogues, teachers, mm -hmm. and they were working in, in preschools and, and kindergarten and, and what have you. And I told them about human business. And, um, and then I realized like, who am I telling them about the human business? Because they are the prime examples of human business because they focus on the people, the students. Mm -hmm. And uh, so therefore, whenever you have the purpose of the organization or the business is actually generating value for people in like in a social environment, you know, that's, that's ideal. Social businesses, for example, would be another example. So if you are, let's say, um, if you are a leader of a team and um, you have, let's say, certain, certain, let's say, targets or objectives to achieve, <clears throat> how, how um, would you enable or what tips can you give such a leader uh, to, let's say, uh, stand ground and say, well, I want to be different. I want to go the edge way. So how would you... Uh, which tips or which arguments would you give this person for the superior to argue that, well, I will make my, my targets, but uh, it, I would do it my way. Because I, I have seen many movements uh, in, in, in agile ways, but of course, there's always this reluctancy or this behavior to move back to classical ways of, of management, uh, uh, let's say leadership. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of the agile approach, but of course, it, it requires a lot of forces from the top and also from, from, from the people on the ground to, to go this, this way. Even there are some failures in between, which is... Like you said, fully normal. Okay. That's what it's, it is. It's, it's, it's normal. But people say uh, agile is about mindset, and uh, there's some uh -huh. truth to it uh, because you have to understand the values and the, the principles of agile. And most important, you have to know why are you doing this. You're not doing agile for the purpose of agile. Agile, I, I consider agile uh, kind of like a door opener to more. Uh -huh. So in this case, to can help uh, transform a traditional business into an agile business and later a human business. 
you, you have to know why you're doing this. If you if your goal is to say maximize shareholder value, I mean, which is an oxymoron because um, you know it, it's it's there's a reason why uh, quite a few people call it bullshit, and and I am one of them because it doesn't re really generate value for the customer. It's tough if you understand the outcome actually has to benefit the customer. Mm -hmm. That's the first first you know how should I say critical element, then you have to understand, okay, who's doing the work? How do you get there? And then we're talking about the people. And what else or who else should benefit from it? Then we're talking about the business. So we're talking about the why, how, and the what. Just like what Simon Sinek, uh, you know, explains in the golden circle, you know, of, of in, this, in, this, in this book, start with why. The why, it's a purpose, generating value, for the customer in a natural setting. And I'd say in human business, actually generating value for people in general. How is the people? And you can also say the, uh, the whole environment, build and sustain, a, say, a happy workplace with the right tools and, and, and frameworks, et cetera. And the what is like, what comes out of it? You know, and this is like, could be the, the product, could, could, could be also like, a, how does the, the business itself benefit from it? And it's not just a business because we're not, a business is not functioning in isolation. A business is always embedded in something bigger in the system. Uh, to have it more concrete, uh, business is part of society. So the question is like, what does a business give back to society? I'm fully with you. And I have seen so many companies just following because it's it's a, uh let's say a trend uh, and uh, and they miss the part of the mindset i always say the mindset drives behaviors drives results so uh, it, it's fundamental that that you impact let's say the mindset do you have any um, method or tools how you i would say influence the mindset of your people if they are let's say not open of of maybe following um, the idea of agility well, I think skeptics uh, can best be convinced by, by results. Uh -huh. And um, if you rationally, they, they, they probably say, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, it's like I have been doing certain things, certain management styles for 20, 30 years or 40 years, and it worked fine. Why should it work differently? Uh -huh. Well, because the people you're working with, they are different. The marketplace has changed. And uh, how do you convince them? Numbers is one thing. I mean, can, you can present with numbers and they understand it. Um, it's not really too convincing. I think it's more effective when you share stories. Uh -huh. Stories of how you benefited uh, customers, how, what's the, the, the value uh, your employees got out of it. Why all of a sudden they're um, you know, really motivated. Um, do you want to have employees who just do the job or do you want to have employees uh, who identify themselves with the company because they know they are part of something bigger? They're highly motivated. I mean, they have, if you have two teams, uh, both are, have the same skills. But one of the teams uh, says, it's just a job. We go home because you have something bigger to work on. That really motivates us. Or you have the other team. Maybe they have less skills, but they're highly motivated because they know we are building something big, we really help, say, solve a problem, and we see the results because we're 
in direct contact with a customer. Whom do you want to work with? With whom do you want to work with? Mm-hmm. That's a question. Now, if, if, the question, if the answer is, okay, I want to work with a highly motivated team, then you're on the right track. But then it's, not, it's just a step. Then you have to tell them, okay, why is it faster? Um, why is it actually better? How can you be more flexible? Um, and I'd say it's important not to say, oh, everything you've done in the past is, is bad. It's not because after all, you know, if you're in business successfully, then, then it cannot be bad. So you have to tell them, it's like, we still want to use, say, the, all the, those tools that still work quite well, but we want to improve them. We want to make them better. better. And it's a different approach. Um, and actually, we, sometimes we don't have to, re, uh, say, reinvent the wheel. We are actually rediscovering um, who we are. You can ask them, there's a very simple question, kind of like a litmus test. and tells you a lot, very easily where they are. You can say, okay, complete the following sentence. The business of business is about what? If they say making money, fine. If it's like it's people or if it's a customer, the business of business, what is it about? If they say shareholder value, then ask, let's say, a millennial if they want to work for a company. They say the business of our business is shareholder value or they say the business of business, our business is um, to restore an environment or to solve a certain given problem. Ask them where would they like to work? And that is, um, yeah, you basically, um, you create an environment where it's, uh, you know, the joy is, can actually be a driver. Do you think it's, it's very hard for large corporation to, um, let's say, to transform in this, in this way of a customer-obsessed, let's say, organization? Um, it may take longer, but it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the bigger corporations that are quite often, you know, frequently cited are, let's say, Microsoft, which has become agile over the last couple of years. Uh, at present, I'm working as a kind of like a head coach for Allianz, the insurance corporation. Uh, it's becoming um, agile and agile a learning organization. Uh, it's a long way, no doubt, especially when you say uh, when you work in a company that has been around for more than 100 years. Is it possible? It's not only possible, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, if you can say, what's the alternative, for example, to agile, you know, or say to human business, what's the alternative? If somebody tells me, yeah, by the way, this is the alternative, I'd like to hear about it. You know, I think there has been so many forces, in, in particular, uh, uh, eroding, let's say, uh, margins, uh, eroding networks, uh, demand of uh, new competition modelings. Uh, companies have gone uh, uh, faster than before. So there's a huge demand, of course, coming from, from the exogen factors to, to the different companies. So, I mean, like, as, like you said, there's just not a question if, it's just a question how fast they can transform. So um, do you think for, for that transformation, there's also a new generation of leaders required? Well, uh, yes, um, but it's not that, that you throw out all the old ones again. I think that a good leader knows that he or she has to evolve and go with the time. Um, and this is this is you know true leadership. Um, 
what worked in the past does not mean that it works in the future. Um, we need a mix of both. Um, mm -hmm. I have worked in companies where I introduced Agile uh, and I worked with the, let's see, older generation uh, of leaders as well as with uh, young, um, you know, um, say talents, leadership talents. And uh, you need to have both. I think it would be arrogant and ignorant to say we don't need the old leaders anymore. We need the old generation anymore. To give, I'd like to give an example. Um, in 2020 at the World Economic Forum, um, just prior to, to a panel, I asked an older couple um, what they were thinking about the digital age, uh, digitization and, and technology. And they explained, well, actually we're afraid of it because like, mm -hmm. technology is taking over the world. And what happens to us, you know, uh, we no longer, I mean, we're just becoming slaves as machines. And then they asked the question and asked them the question, well, do you have an idea how you want to live in the future? And I said, well, of course we do. Uh, and they gave me, gave, gave me examples. They would like to be live in balance with nature and, you know, um, and they love their family and friends. And actually, it's, it's pretty cool with their grandkids. Uh, they, they're in contact with them with Skype. And they can still drive because it's kind of semi-autonomous driving. And all of a sudden, they listed all these gadgets they're using. And I thought, like, let me reiterate the first question. What do you think about <laughs> technology and digital transformation? And they said, like, well, now that we're thinking of it, it's, um, it's a different perspective, you know. So I think when it comes to the question, how do we want to shape our life? How we want to shape our future? We would be stupid not to listen to say the older generation and ask them for advice. I mean, what is it, how you want to live in the future? What do you think is important? And let's have a dialogue. Mm -hmm. in, in particular in your experience with, with a large corporation, um, um, what are the biggest challenges that, that you have encountered uh, by, let's say, supporting that huge transformation? Um, well, one of the elements I look at to say, okay, when we look at the incentive system, the bonus system of top management, let's say top management, if they claim, oh, we become a natural organization, or oh, we care about the environment, we, we support the United Nations Sustainable, sustainable Development Goals, UN SDGs. And then you ask them, okay, how is it reflected in your bonus um, you know, agreement? And if they say, well, actually uh, it's not part of it because like we're still looking at EBIT and, and shareholder and what have you, it's fake. Mm -hmm. It's not real. Um, so if let's say a company, a top management is really committed to transformation, check their bonus agreements. Uh -huh. the incentive systems, if it reflects what they're talking about. Because they say, well, okay, this is only the extrinsic, extrinsic uh, motivation. Well, yeah, fine. I know that intrinsic motivation is more important, but since you're intrinsically motivated, give me one reason what holds you back from actually also adapting your intrinsic motivation, which is, let's say, reflected in your bonus agreement. Okay. You know, So we'll see. And, you know, there's like lots of companies say, yeah, well, UN SDGs are very important. Okay, give me a company or show me the bonus agreement where this is being reflected in the bonus agreement. They say, you know, this is how we, you know, this is our contribution and see, uh, you know, this is how they are getting paid. You know, then becomes a true story. So if you give, you know, ask me for one example, check the bonus system, the incentive system. 
and there are quite a lot of other uh, challenges, you know, of course, but, you know, this is one thing, one element at, at the top level where you can learn a lot. Mm-hmm. What is a challenge that you see to, um, I don't know how many employees uh, Allianz has, but how to, let's say, move such a crowd into, or let's say to move the ship some degrees to the left or to the right. Um, so the one thing is, of course, um, I think um, how you impact the top leadership team. But of course, uh, such a large organization has has different layers. And uh, what is your experience with the different layers and how they behave or react to that transformation? Well, you start. You can start small. I mean, you can start on a project level and then you share stories and then from there you grow. This is how um, Microsoft did it. Uh-huh. They, you know, how they started the agile transformation, or you can come to companies where they say uh, the top management say we need to change certain things and uh, let's let's uh, let's embark on a journey and they, um, you know, involve uh, the whole teams. You know, especially also middle management. They walk the talk. Uh, if you look at companies, say for example, Salesforce uh, that has undergone an agile transformation. Um, it wasn't really truly top down, but it was like top management. They were convinced they have to do this, um, and it was like top down and bottom up. They did, you know, it was like within a relatively short time, it, it worked quite well. And if you try to move a tanker, it's tough. It takes takes a while. But you have to realize if you want to move fast, if you want to be flexible, if you want to be adaptive, it's not so much moving a tanker, but you have to need to have a, like a, a fleet of smaller, say, warships. Um, that are faster than adaptive. And you have to be, okay, if you want to be innovative, you have to embrace failure as a chance to learn. Um, people say fail fast is important. No, it's, it's not that you want to be fail fast, fail and learn fast. Because mm-hmm. um, if you fail and you don't learn, uh, well, then failure is truly bad. But um, if you say failure is a necessity and a critical necessity to learn and you live it, then you, I think you, have, you can have a convincing story. I, I, I totally agree. <clears throat> um, what, what I did in, in, in the past is building up many smaller islands, let's say, in, in different formats in order to let's say, foster uh, the discussion also within the, within the teams. Um, so how uh, do you think also geographically speaking as Allianz as a, as a global corporation, right? So you are different countries. Do you think there are certain cultures which are much more adaptive in, in, or much more faster maybe? Um, I mean, we had the discussion, um, of course, now within the pandemic, right? Which, let's say, uh, culture is much more let's say dynamic, not to use Asia, yes. but much more dynamic in, in adoption. I, I think that no, a culture makes a huge difference. Um, I think for some of the American uh, culture is uh, more flexible, uh, more, adaptive, more adaptive to change, uh, more open for learning uh, because the way they perceive failure is, it's, you know, yeah, you make, a, you know make, make mistakes and you learn from it. Uh, if you miss the shot, okay, fine. Nice shot, nice try, and then do it again. Where I say in, in Germany, you make a mistake, sometimes that's it, because people expect sometimes perfection. But whenever you expect perfection the first try, it basically is an ex, uh, it's a reflection that you are afraid of change, that you're incapable of 
handling change. Um, because perfect with respect to what? I mean, if you can make a plan, fine. If, if it's a stable environment, which doesn't change yet, then you can plan certain things. But if you want to be innovative, if you want to create something new and you will fail, the question is like, how fast can you fail and how fast can you learn from your mistakes? And uh, we have to create uh, a learning environment and we have to um, nurture this, this environment of, you know, a constant, uh, continuous learning, continuous improvement. And it's tough, no doubt. Um, if people think that a transformation is easy, uh, no, it's, a transformation can be very hurtful, uh, painful. Um, I like to compare it with a metamorphosis of a caterpillar into becoming a butterfly. Once you have a cocoon, um, it, it's, it's much, it, it's not that you all of a sudden, okay, then the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. No, it's just like, it's a mush of, you know, all these cells and what have you. And the imaginal cells of the, of the butterfly, they build a network. And then this way, uh, the butterfly becomes a butterfly. But um, it is basically, sometimes you have to give up a lot and you have to be willing to give up a lot to learn even something better. And the cool thing and the question is like, how can we use, let's say you're in a transformation, how can you use your existing skills, the people aboard to build something even bigger, something better, and which is more joyful, which is faster, which is uh, more adaptive, more, uh, more flexible. And that's a question. It's not like that you say, okay, I have to plan everything. No, uh, you can't. And it takes, you know, it takes God. Mm-hmm. It takes God. You mentioned that you have a, you had a keynote, I think, uh, last week uh, before um, in front of teachers. So do you think also that um, our next generation are prepared for, for that, let's say, working kind of working environments? Well, or are they the right de- way prepared, let's say? Um, depends how you define the next generation. I think, uh, well, my, my, my kids, they just finished um, high school, uh, Abitur. Or they're about to, and when they look what they have learned, I think um, I don't call them a lost generation, but you know, it's basically once they have entered elementary school, they have unlearned a lot of things that makes us specialists as human beings, um, because we only train the mind and we don't train so much our heart and our say our, our gut, our intuition. Even though we have these three brains, you know, the head, the heart, and, and our intuition, and um, if they look, however, they are more open. Um, they focus more on the purpose of and, and the why, why they should do certain things. They, um, they are more critical. And what we can do, we need, we need to encourage them to ask questions. And uh, just like kids, you know, asking the why questions, like why, do we, why are we doing certain things this way or the other way? And uh, teach them how to reframe questions and explore new new grounds and um you know you don't have to learn everything you have just have to know where to find things you know how to how to research and do we know everything there's no way you know there is absolutely no way but you know with a new generation i hope that the pandemic um has triggered some changes also say especially in germany with the educational system that they understand, okay, we have to do things differently. 
with the educational system, um, talking about the German educational system, which is still superior, to say, to say to the U.S. Uh, public uh, educational system, which I also experienced um, when I was younger. Um, uh, Madeleine Albright, the former uh, U.S. Secretary of State, uh, she described it, the dilemma as uh, as follows: to say we try to master the challenges of the 21st century using the, the mindset, the, the thinking of the 20th century and using the institutions of the 19th century. It doesn't work. And, you know, in, in the educational system in schools, okay, when you say, okay, why are we doing this? Who's at the center of our attention? It's not the student, it's the teacher. Because mm -hmm. if you look at classrooms, everything is set up for perfect teaching environment. It's not about the teacher. It's about the students. The question is, therefore, do we have an ideal learning environment, learning setup in schools? Same thing at the university. And now, of course, it becomes tricky when you say, okay, we have to do it virtually. Um, you know, now with AI, you know, certain things can, can be, you know, more interactive. Um, but the questions like for learning, do we have a, a, a more or less ideal learning environment? And it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be ideal. Maybe because it's imperfect can be, become perfect. But again, there is talking about perfection again. But an ideal environment, I think it's involving, it's adaptive, it's uh, explorative, it, it allows generative uh, learning, and um, it's, uh, it's not predefined. I, I like that. We have uh, family and friends in, in, in Finland, and, and of course, uh, we have experienced the school system there, where uh, the curriculum is much more dynamic uh, in, in a sense that, uh, for example, I always tell the story that uh, they should uh, have uh, learned um, uh, three plus three, but um, they, they learned it in a way, well, let's go for lunch and let's buy cakes. And we are six, uh, six, six students, so we need six pieces of cake. So let's try what we can do with the six pieces of cake, which mathematical uh, task we can perform. And exactly. of course, good point. Yeah. That's how, uh, let's say, students can apply what is the problem and what they can learn in school to get problems resolved. Same with um, um, with um, uh, the different topics they have been asked, which, uh, which topic you have fun with. Is it water? Is it uh, a tree? Is it whatever? And, and then uh, the, the kids could select the different, let's say, main topic, mainstream. And the teacher would have then uh, elaborated the different, let's say, materials around that topic. For example, you can, with water, you can do a lot of chemical experiments, right? You can freeze it, you can cook it, whatever. And I think that's a, a very nice way that I was experiencing how you can adapt, like you said, to the client, which is at the end, the teacher, uh, sorry, the student. So uh, regarding... Um, Agile, one question I, I really wanted to ask, do you think that it makes sense in a way that, that uh, to, to teach um, Agile methods at, at school or at the university? Or do you think it makes um, sense to teach Agile methods at all? Or do you think it makes much, much more sense to just 
get it started and, and have maybe a subject like the experts uh, in the team? No, I think it's it actually can, uh, there's actually called Scrum for Kids, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually, I, you know, did this with my kids and they uh, semi-successful did it for a couple of weeks and uh, they weren't really into it. Um, maybe it's, it was because the way I explained it, who knows, but uh, it certainly cannot hurt, but it's not mm-hmm. so much about the methods uh, or the methodology um, or the frameworks. It's, again, it's the values and principles. And you look at the, uh, some of the values of, of, of Agile, continuous learning and uh, focusing on the why, um, as you can see, it's even universal. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical when, when, whenever people say it's, uh, it's about methods. No, it's not about methods. Unless you understand the, the values and principles behind it, it's just like fluff, you know. People say, "Oh, we're a natural company. We're doing safe, you know, the safe framework." Mm-hmm. No, they're not doing agile. They're just, you know, following very strict rules of a safe environment. Uh, whether or not they're agile, uh, that needs to be discussed. Uh, I'd say in most cases they're not because they don't have the agile mindset. Um, because what matters is if the process is more important than what comes out of it, it's not agile. Absolutely agree. And I think it, it makes more sense to, let's say, um, enhance or enrich whenever you have the need for the right method, let's say, to apply. But um, first have uh, a good reason for, uh, for, like I said, a purpose uh, to have it applied for a certain, let's say, challenge that you want to solve. Um, good. Uh, let's maybe come to, to the last question, Thomas. Uh, we have been touch basing education and, and, and kids. Normally, I, I ask my guests, what have been the advice to the younger Thomas uh, when he started his career? Um, I'd say be bolder, try new things, and um, move out of, find out what your comfort zone is and go beyond your comfort zone. And... Um, Listen to your intuition more often and uh, listen to your heart and just being more authentic. Um, this is what I would tell. It's like basically when I look at uh, the, the book I published last, last, last year uh, called Human Business, when I wrote it, um, it's in German. There's an English translation available. Um, it was almost like a therapy because I learned so much. And actually, my kids, uh, they encouraged me to, to write it and to talk more about what really moves me, what, what matters to me, and uh, where, where I have unlearned it and why it's so important to learn it again or to rediscover our human being and this way shaping our future. And it's like, yeah, the, the best advice, be yourself. Or first, try to find out who you really are and then have the guts to... Live your true self. Go for leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Love it, Thomas. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Go for leadership, the podcast.